0: We just had a children's moment, which had them talking about how they would fill boxes. And I'm not going to open this one, but I need to adjust your vision of a box. Now, this is something that, that I think all of us kind of have, and you've got a box somewhere in your mind that says, this is what heaven is like, don't you? Everybody thinks about the future, you can't help it. You do think about the future, and not only do you think about the future, but what you think about the future operates in how you spend your time and money and, and every activity you do on earth before heaven. So what I need to do today is I need you to understand that you've got a box that's labeled heaven, whether or not that's a, a, brown, a brown cardboard box with somebody scrawling on the side of it, or whether it's wrapped and pretty and all this stuff, but you've got one today. I need to let you, I need you to help me by sort of mentally dumping out that box. And then we're going to put some other stuff back in. That's actually what the Bible says about heaven. Okay. Are you ready? First, I want to say it this way, because this, I already said some of this, um, but there's one quote from one of the commentaries that I really want to focus on because how many of you have watched an end of the world movie? It's not the Bible. <laughs> Did you notice that? When you watched that movie, that actually didn't, it, it wasn't, it wasn't leather bound, it didn't have the word Holy Bible on the front of it. It didn't actually do that, even the book How It Ends or whatever it is the bible the biblical version of the future is not about the end of creation it's about a beginning a new beginning do you get that so so when we focus on the crash you're missing the point so with that in mind i need to do this are you ready we'll just read the scripture and if it's all right with you, I'll just sort of talk you through what it actually means. But I need you to do this. As we do this, I just you can hold me accountable. There are seven things about heaven when it comes that we're used to that aren't going to show up. <laughs> They're not part of it. Okay, are you ready? Now, do you know how to find Revelation chapter 21? I did this a little bit last week. You tur- you You just... You take your Bible and you turn it over (laughs) and you go like this to the very blank page, right? So the back of mine has some helps in the back of it. But see this blank page? That's the end. That's where we are. (laughs) Revelation 21. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea is gone. I need to stop. Something's missing. The sea is gone. Now, you might say, well, wait, I love the ocean. It's one of my favorite places. I know several people in the world that the beach is one of their favorite places. That's not what's happening in this. The sea within the whole Bible, actually, so if you go back to the beginning and, and God hovers over the turmoil and the chaos and the waters and he separates the land from the sea and what he's doing is he's giving you a place where your life can have order and not chaos the sea is generally whenever it's there it's it's the chaos it's chaos it's order the sea is gone are you ready for this the chaos and turmoil of your life is gone that's what that means are you ready I don't, I don't think you gasped or anything when I said that. Can you imagine a time when the chaos and turmoil, the things that just throw your life up into upheaval, it's like they just took all the little note, notes that you had for your day and they grabbed and then just went into the air and they weren't numbered. That's gone. The first thing missing that you get to put back in your box is a lack of turmoil and chaos. Now, we're going to do more, but that's pretty important. Wouldn't you agree? Do you want to spend some time without chaos? I would like to spend some time without chaos. I felt like I had a chaotic moment Friday night this week when I went out into my yard after they had backhoed all that work that I'd been doing on the front yard to put in a water line and i was in a meeting and they weren't done but they didn't say they weren't done it looked kind of like they had just left it the way it was and the tarps that i'd put under the rocks that we had moved you know those tarps were destroyed which meant that the rocks that were on them were all mixed in you know it was chaos So much so that the the tarps that I had, all the tarps that we had, are now in the garbage. That's how much chaos it was. And Alex and I spent hours and hours and hours digging torn pieces of tarp out of the dirt. (laughs) Chaos. I could use a little non-chaos in my heaven. I could use a little non-chaos in my day right now. But heaven, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and the sea is gone. Your chaos is gone. That's the first thing. As I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. This is the picture I want you to understand very first, that it's going to come out of heaven. How much control do you have over heaven? Zero? So it comes out of heaven. How much do you think of this new heaven and earth you're responsible for creating? You don't have any control over where it's coming from. It's coming here. By the way, there's another thing that I'm not actually putting in this dump out of your box, but I need you to understand. We sing tons of songs about we're going to heaven when we all get to heaven, right? Don't we? Heaven's coming here. Now, in, in, a, in a way, metaphorically, or maybe it's some other thing, my English wife will correct me on that, we are going to heaven because we're going to go through a process by which we are translated from the muck and the mire and the chaos of our lives right now into heaven, which is coming here. So they're not wrong. The songs aren't wrong. But if you think you get to throw away things of this earth because, you know, you're not going to be here, you're going to be elsewhere, just want you to sort of figure that out. Heaven's coming here. Okay, here we go. We're still doing it. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now amongst his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will live with him. Here's something that you need to, you need to f- take out of your box, that, that's sort of your earth box, and just throw away. God is often hidden from us. There's going to come a time where he's not hidden. Plain as day. Because he's going to live amongst us. But there's something else sort of nestled into this text. I need you to get this one spot. Do you know in the ancient Hebrew text where God dwelt amongst his people? It was a special place inside the temple, wasn't it? Wasn't that where God dwelled? They called it the Holy of Holies. Well, when we read the text, as we go through, I need you to just sort of have in the back of your mind, there is one thing shaped as a cube in the whole Bible, and that's the Holy of Holies. So whenever you get to a cube shape, that's the Holy of Holies. It's the only thing the Bible shapes as a cube. So equal, you know what a cube is? Right, It's equal on the length and width and height. We're going to get to that spot in this text today. So just be ready. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death and sorrow or crying and pain. All these things will be gone forever. The second thing gone after the chaos is the tears and the sorrow and the mourning and the death. And if you think that this is just oddity, look... This is Isaiah in the Old Testament. And remember the Old Testament? They didn't know Jesus yet. So in Isaiah 65, he's trying to describe how different it is for that. Here it is. Here it is, Isaiah 65. No longer will there be an infant who lives but a few days. Or an old man who does not live out his days. For the youth will die at the age of a hundred. The youth. And the one who does not reach the age of 100 shall be thought of as accursed. Do you understand how different that is in your world? Now, look, I was telling this story. I, I love this story. Some of you know we've been negotiating with my parents to, to work out a deal to buy their house. Not, not necessarily that we're getting ready to move. But, but, you know, my parents are 85. And there's this thing about um, inheritance on a five-year look back where if, if it was theirs, but it was a gift, they can be taken back by the government if they owe money. And so we're trying to protect their house from the five-year look back. And we're talking to my parents about a 15-year contract on the house. And my mom says, are you ready for this? So what happens when we finish the 15 years and we're still living in it and you want to move in? <laughs> I need you to understand. Wow, love your optimism. My actual response is, I think we can cross that bridge when we get there. But do you see how different that is from the way if everybody lives to 100 and the ones that don't make it or only live there, do you understand how different that world is? I need you to take out of your box for heaven the things that are causing you to mourn because it's not going to be there. Just like the chaos. Okay, so what's the first thing that's not gonna that doesn't go back in your box? Chaos. The second thing, mourning, crying, death. I need a I need a big sigh of relief from you. Are you ready? Okay. Look. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down and tell, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he said this, it is finished. Now, it is finished. That is a unique phrase to three places in the Bible, right? The cross, the throne, when the wrath is being poured out in Revelation, and right here, it's finished. What is the, what is, What does it mean that the cross and this, the new heaven and earth, are connected with its finished? Look, he's made a deposit in your life. You need to recognize that at the cross. He made a deposit in your life, and he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion. Look, this is the whole biblical story right here. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Now, that is in Greek. If we were speaking in English, we would be the A and the Z. It, if you were doing it in Hebrew, which is the Old Testament, it's the Aleph and the Ta, because those are the first and last letters. The beginning and the end, to all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of water, the river of life will set at our feet to dancing. Right? We sang that song. All who are victorious will inherit all the blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. Actually, that's lovely, isn't it? Don't you want to be God's children? It's not actually the full thrust of that little phrase there. The full thrust of this, this is the one spot where you don't get to say, change it from my, ch- my son because what it is is I will be their God and they will have the rights of my son. In the original language that's slightly different. That's not the rights of Dave, that's the rights of Jesus. And I just need you to understand there's some difference there, isn't there? That's not the rights of state your whole name, please, right here. That's you're inheriting because you've you're come from Jesus. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, the murderers, the immoral, and those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars. By the way, not the people that lied once, but this is about practicing. Their fate is the fiery lake of burning sulfur, the second death. Here's the third thing that's gone from heaven. Are you ready? All the character traits that don't line up with the kingdom of God. Can you take that in for just a second? Do you have some character traits in you that don't, maybe don't align? I know a way that you can find out who makes you mad in the world. Is there somebody that if you think of them, oh man, I have one person... Uh, Ted described them as a bridge troll. Do you have a bridge troll in your life? <laughs> you have to get from here to there, and they're sort of blocking the spot. Do you have a bridge troll in your life? Somebody that drives you batty beyond belief? Now, if it's Marjean or, or Roxanne, that's probably me. But <laughs> no. Do you know why the bridge troll in your life probably drives you batty? They do something uh, that you don't like in yourself when you do it. But not only will they be gone, but because the sin nature from you is gone, so not only is the chaos gone and the mourning and weeping, but all the character traits that don't line up with heaven, right? The practice of witchcraft, idol worshipers and all liars. By the way, this is really tied very closely to the witness in the Roman Empire that says, oh, there's other gods than Jesus, Which, by the way, at this point in time, we're starting to understand is a lie. It's just a lie. It's just not true. So the third thing, the character traits in you that don't line up with the kingdom, they're going to be gone at this point in time. By the way, some of those character traits keep us going some ways, and the Bible sort of kneels down into our life and recognizes that we need some of those things. Is there anything in your life that... How many of you like to be patted on the back or congratulated when you do something good? How many of you kind of need it every so often? I hate to tell you that, that's sin nature. And Paul kneels into his life and he says, look, you're going to get the crown of life. God kneels down and offers us some of those carrots to keep us going. But the Bible says, look, when we get in front of the throne, all those crowns that we needed to keep us going, I need to do this for the God. You know, he's going to give me the crown of life. We, we get in Jesus' present, off comes the crown. <laughs> I don't need that thing anymore. Here's Jesus. This is better than the crown. But that stuff's gone. Are you ready? The next one, I'm going to stun you with the next thing that's gone. But before we get there, we have some description of heaven. Are you ready? So he took me in the spirit. Then one of the seven angels, I'm sorry, I skipped a whole verse. One of the seven angels who held the bowls containing the plagues came up and said to me, come with me, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And so he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the city, the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And it shone with the glory of God, sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper, as clear as crystal. Jasper is not clear. Okay, jasper is red with stripes. The city was all was broad and high with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels and the names of the 12 guard and the name of the 12 gates were the tribes of Israel were written on the gates. Have you ever thought you, you think well I don't really need to pay very much attention to the Old Testament I got the new one. Look 12 is going to be massive in this thing, not because it's a specific number, but because there are 12 tribes in Israel and 12 apostles, right? The whole people of God. So the gates of the city are the 12. uh, And there were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. And the wall of the city was 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the apostles of the Lamb. It's the old and the new, kind of all together, right? You get in through the old, and you, and and the whole thing rests on the new. You probably need both, the old and the new together. By the way, covenant, not not book, but the old covenant and the new covenant. God works those things together. This is really. Amazing to me. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold-measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall, and he measured it. He found it was a square as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each. And if you have a Bible that thinks that this is a statistic instead of a symbol, you'll get what this Bible does. This Bible says about 1,400 miles on each side. But the Bible says 12,000 stadia. It doesn't matter what the distance is. 12 is the description of the city, and 12,000 stadia was about what they thought the world was. It's about that. Now, now we know that the world's a little bigger than 12,000 stadia or 1,400 miles on each side, since our world is round and not a cube, but a cube is the Holy of Holies, here is a city that is literally the size of the known world to them that is the city of God. Not only is heaven coming here, the whole here becomes the Holy of Holies. Is that in your heaven box? Did you figure that out? The whole place will be the Holy of Holies. There's more. It gets better really. And then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick. That's, see, my Bible's just helping me out by changing a symbolic number to a statistic because it says 244 cubits or 144 cubits. I'm sorry, that was my bad. eye. just, 144 cubits, which is 12 times 12 which is, of course, the measurement of the walls of the holy city, because you have twelve apostles and twelve tribes, and everything's in twelves because there was a planner, and everything's symbolic and if you have a good if you have a good designer, then they do all that stuff, right? They think through all those thoughts then the wall the wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold as clear as glass. Another thing, hey, did you know glass was clear or um, gold was clear. Did you know that? It is here. But but let me let me as as we list what it's made out of, I want you to begin to think of what your house is made out of. Cinder block. There's probably some two by fours in there, some conduit. What is your house made out of? Right, the sheetrock. <laughs> it's a fancy stuff. Sheetrock. It's lovely to have spread all over if it's dusty. The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on the foundation stones, inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper, the second, sapphire, the third, agate, the fourth, emerald, the fifth, onyx. Because you're going to build your house out of these things. But not just the house, the city. All the things that are precious to us, he builds up. So can you imagine actually thinking of precious gems as building blocks for a city that you'd have so much of it that it would be so perfect that you would do this? Because, you know, when you have a little emerald or something on a ring... You don't just leave it lying around, and if you're out and about, you store it. Maybe you even have a little lock box that you store some things in. And do do you do you? Do you ha- How many of you have two by fours hanging around that you keep under lock and key? <laughs> How about some sheetrock? Just need to protect that, keep it safe. No, the building blocks of the new heaven and the new earth are 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 the things that we think are precious, but what do we build out of are not the things that are precious. I mean, we like them. We even use stone on our countertops now and things like that. But you don't build them out of gold. I mean, we, and even if you did, that's what the world's made out of, the new thing. So I need to get in. this. The eighth barrel, the ninth topaz, the tenth, cryo, cryo praise, the eleventh, jacinth and the 12th amethyst the 12 gates were made of pearls each gate from a single pearl and the main street was pure gold as clear as glass and I, s- I just just in case you were wondering just in case you were thinking i've got some pretty important savings accounts here and i need to take really good care of that how big a deal is these precious stuff if They're actually the pavement of the new world. Pavement, and just you need to go. Wow, that is different. Okay, so what have we done? We've got some things that are different. I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. That's right. God lives in the holy of holies. He's the temple. Do you know what else it means that this is literally okay? There's no chaos. No tears, death, and mourning. No character traits inconsistent with the thing. No temple. Stunning. Actually, do you know what we use churches and temples for? We use them as special places where we praise God. And then, of course, we live the rest of our life outside of the church, and we don't praise God there. Do you know what it means that there's no special place to praise God? What it really means here is there's no place to not praise God. That's what it literally means. No place to not praise God. You don't need a special place to go do it. You're doing it everywhere and God is there in the center of it. Is that in your heaven box that you're going to think, well, you know, when I'm, when I'm away from the center of God, I'm going to be doing this stuff on the clouds that go up and down like an elevator, right? No, that's not how that is. You're going to be praising God whatever you're doing. We're getting really close here. And the city has no need of the sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the lamb is its light. Not only does that match Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, or the psalmist that says, thy word is a light unto my path, right? That stuff. The whole need, the whole reason God put a sun and the moon in the Genesis story is what? So that we would not stumble in the darkness. That there's this light a greater light in day and a, and a paler light at night so that we wouldn't stumble in the darkness. Do you know what it means to have no need of the sun or the moon? No stumbling. You're not going to be tripping around fumbling because the Lord is the light of the place. It doesn't actually say there is no sun or moon. It means we don't need them because we won't stumble around. I think that's pretty Cool. I long for the day that I don't use my little toe to find furniture. (laughs) How about you? No? Okay. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory, and here's something else that disappears from our known world into heaven. Are you ready? The gates will never be closed. Now, why do cities and, and nations and borders and all those things happen? Why are they here? This is not an American political statement. I want to make sure that you hear me say that. Because if you want to go to Canada, you have to have the right information to do that too. And if you want to go to France, you've got to do that. And wherever you go, if you want to cross a national border, why do we have borders? Because we think there's an enemy at the gate and we're protecting. That's what the ancient world gates were for. They closed them at night, and so nobody could come in and sneak up on them if they didn't see them, and they do that thing. Look, there's no closed gates. There's no enemy at the gate. I want you to think about that for a second. What would it be like to have no chaos, no tears, no character traits inconsistent with the kingdom of God, no place to not, where you don't need to worship him, no place to not worship him, no enemy at the gates, and no gates that needed to be closed for your protection. There's no need for it. You're safe. And all the nations will bring glory and honor into the city and nothing evil will be allowed to enter there nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. There's one thing that's going to, that's going to top off the whole, it's the, it's the whipped cream on top. Are you ready? The curse is gone. Now what's the curse do in Genesis 3? Okay, now some of you, I know you've read this story so many times, but you think perhaps that God that God made it in such a way that that man really wants to rule his wife, and that wife want that it, that it's really good that that the man should rule over the wife, and the wife should be want to be on in charge and all that stuff. No, that's living out of the fall. And it all happens because our relationships don't work right and there's these miscommunications and, and of course, if things are miscommunicated, they would only be better if I was in charge. <laughs> That's not how that works. <laughs> then we just make your mistakes or my mistakes. Isn't that right? How many of you are glad right at this moment that you're not in charge of the universe? that's right you wouldn't mess it up thank you for that hand too (laughs) i see that so here it is the curse is gone but the relationship damage is gone righteousness flows through the whole new heaven and the new earth and all that stuff which means that every single thing you do helps relationships instead of hurts relationships doesn't break relationships the curse is gone Wouldn't it be nice to actually speak and be understood? And then also only have things that built up other people come out of your mouth? How many of you have ever said something you didn't really want to say and felt bad about it and needed to apologize for it sooner rather than later? Okay, I'm sorry. You don't need to lift your hands for that. (laughs) That was a rhetorical question sort of. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Because we all have. We all have. Look, I'm, I'm out of time. I just need one more thing here for you to understand. As you start putting stuff back into your heaven box, I need you to understand that you don't put any of this stuff back in. You put the worship of the Lord. You stop saving up and hoarding all your stuff and start saying, whatever God has for me, that's the stuff I want. You're healed. He's your healer. We don't have to live out of Genesis 3 anymore. Genesis 3 is the fall language, right? That your toil is going to be work and you're going to seek after each other's dominance and all that stuff. You don't have to live out of that anymore. Do you know why? It's finished. God has put a deposit in your life and is now in a spot where he says, look, you can view the future i'm showing you enough of it that it can change your life and i want you to start living now as though that's where you're going not the end of the world movies and the terminators and things like that which is kind of a kind of a story about how hopeless are the generation that wrote those things were because it's, it's all going to hell in a handbasket isn't that what's why those movies were written because how does our culture deal with the thought of hopelessness if we don't at least express it and do that? But how do we as a church express hopefulness? Well, first thing we ought to stop doing is living out of, out of the fall and start living out of it is finished at the cross and start forgiving and being forgiven and live into the forgiveness and do all that. And so you got to change the tapes in your head because that's the vision that needs to shape the way you are in the world. Let's pray. I heard an amen. I must be done. Dear Jesus, thank you for today. I thank you for every single person in this room. I thank you for those who love you. I thank you for the gift of no more curse that we might be blessed to be a blessing that your blessings would overwhelm us and overwhelm the curse in us and we would just be transformed by the blessing. And in that we say, come, come Lord Jesus. Amen.